that's good. I think so. That that, that element of our game is just, those are free throws. Yeah, but sometimes they're like Reggie Jackson free throws. Sometimes they're like Andre Drummond free throws. They're more Reggie than they are Andre for sure. They are, but once they become Andre free throws, it, it gets in my head a little bit. And then you're, uh... But then in the clutch, though, that's when you start knocking them down. Damn, dude. We're talking Andre Drummond free throws right now. Yeah. Spoiler not alert. That I... He was traded. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. Uh, all right. So this is Inside the Cylinder. Uh, your go-to Detroit Pistons podcast. We got all of our new episodes on um, DetroitBadBoys.com, on lineups.com slash podcast, and on Twitter. You can find our new episodes uh, uh, inside at inside the C-Y-L-N-D-R. This is David Fernandez, joined as always by my co-host Joey Mack. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, David? Not much, man. You know, uh... This is gonna How's be Pistons Twitter these days. Pistons Twitter, dude. I mean, honestly, I have not been tweeting as much this season because I think my soul's been crushed. Yeah, that's fair. I check in Spend on your it. time in other ways. Yeah, I think everyone's kind of in like the same sort of haze, I guess you can say. Uh, I don't know. It's not. It's not a happy place. I, you know, I wouldn't describe it as happy. Yeah, you can't even like anxious watch like you would, like you would have last year, the year before, thinking that, <laughs> like just doing the playoff math to see like what it would take. <laughs> now it's just like that doesn't exist. Now yeah. you're scouting like Louisiana Tech like point guards. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's gonna be, we're gonna be looking at more like tankathon numbers here coming into like March and April of where they're at uh, when it comes to the draft than anything else and. You know, it's a weird feeling to truly not care whether they win or lose a game. Um, but it is still weird. Like, the fan in me doesn't root for Like, the rational side of me understands that they should lose out the rest of the season. Um, but the fan in me, you know, doesn't want, like seeing my team lose. Uh, but it's just something that, at least for the rest of this season, we're going to have to get used to. It is liberating to not be emotionally invested on the in the Pistons winning or losing and instead being more focused on player development. I do agree with you. Like I, I'm not the type of person if I'm gonna watch a game, it's really hard for me to watch and root for them to lose. What I would be rooting for, which we've touched touched on in the past, is strictly uh younger player development and seeing them play well. So if that's in a win um, that's okay. If it's in a loss, that's okay too. But, you know, kind of just like realigning focus with like what your priorities are in, in, in the Pistons. Cause clearly the playoffs aren't it this year. No. I, and I think it would feel a lot different if we were coming into this draft class and the word on the street was, cause you know, you and I aren't big college guys when it comes to following the game, um, or draft guys in that, that, you know, in that sense. But um, if you were going into the draft and, you know, there's a lot of buzz about how there's going to be, you know, a super deep draft and there's like a lot of great players that are um, coming out this year, uh, you know, I think it would be a little bit easier to sort of get in that sort of process mindset, you know, where 
you know, they got Ben Simmons, they got Joel Embiid, you know, they got really good players in those, um, in, in a few of their, uh, you know, terrible seasons. But for Detroit right now, it's like, eh, you know, I mean, all the word on the street is that it's not that deep of a draft class. So that makes it even a little bit more like, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't necessarily change anything um, from, you know, the fact that this team should just be losing games anyways, but it does make it less exciting in the loss, you know, for these, you know, ping pong balls, essentially. Yeah, you're not looking for, an, you're not looking at, like, an ultimate franchise game changer, like a Zion, or, uh, I guess, Wiggins was perceived to be, like, a game changer back in the day, which he didn't end up being. But, yeah, Luka Doncic, um, you know. Right, right. Yeah, but, um, so right now, I mean, just to kind of set the stage, uh, this, we're recording this pretty late on, uh, Tuesday night, uh, the Pistons are 19 and 37. Yes, you've heard that correctly, um, and you probably know that. Um, and they're coming off of, uh, I believe, their fourth straight loss to the Charlotte Hornets this year. Um, and I think they've lost 10 in a row to the Hornets, which says a lot about this team. Um, they've lost nine of their last 11 games. And um, before we get into the big stuff, um, Joe, did you just want to mention there was some interesting comments that Dwayne Casey had about one of our most exciting prospects, uh, Siku Dumboya, who did not have a great game yesterday um, and hasn't had a great, you know, last few weeks. Um, but yeah, there was definitely something that was noteworthy and I would consider it Pistons news. Yeah, his uh, numbers and percentages have significantly dipped recently um, after he went on a pretty good uh, scoring run and um, Dwayne Casey raised some concerns about um, mostly just his mentality uh, and approach and we know he's a young kid I think uh, still just 19 years old but um, his comments were and I quote I'm very concerned with Saku. I'm very concerned in the fact that he's a young kid, his outlook, his demeanor. He should be having the most fun of ev- of anybody, have all the girls, have all the fun, whatever you want to do, everything. I mean, enjoy life, play basketball, you're playing in the NBA, have fun. This is still a Casey quote here too. That's the thing that bothers me. The intensity, the effort has to come from our young guys, and he's one of our young guys are going to make mistakes as a young player, but lack of intensity shouldn't be one of them. Lack of passion, the joy of playing, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I know there's a culture barrier, but he has to continue to play hard and play with passion. Uh, end of quote. So that is shining a light on, I guess, the observations of Dwayne Casey and some of uh, uh, Saku's uh, behavior um, on and off the floor. So he is a younger player, and you do expect a little bit of that, but he mentioned being very concerned. David, does that make you very concerned as a result? Yeah, I mean, it makes me concerned just in the sense that you don't want your one of your possible pillars for, for this organization moving forward to be in you know not the right mental space. I don't necessarily know what that all entails, but it's essentially just not being happy. You know, you would want him to be, as Dwayne Casey said, um, having a really good time out there, um, you know, just enjoying playing basketball, enjoying being in the States. I do agree that there is probably, 
you know, something to do with, you know, English not being his first language. And yeah, I, I would assume that'd be difficult. That would be difficult for me, you know, even if I was making a lot of money just to be, you know, thrown into a country where I wasn't necessarily comfortable in being myself. So, you know, I, I do have some concerns. You really, you know, a worst case scenario would be, you know, like a Darko Milicic type of thing where you just don't like the game of basketball and, you know, you're a professional player who a team's invested a lot into. Um, I don't want to like put that sort of, um, you know, that into the ethos, but you know, that, that, that does concern me for sure. Yeah. It's certainly you? not what you want to hear. And, um, you, you kind of notice with his nonverbals on the floor that he does get frustrated. I, he does seem to expect more of himself. And so I think there's just a maturity hump that he needs to get over. Um, and at the end of the day, anytime your coach is telling you to, have more fun and chase more girls. Like you got to take that to heart, especially if you're in the NBA and you're making a ton of money. So hopefully that's something that's raises an eyebrow for Saku and he can, um, you know, let loose a little bit more and, and have a bit more fun and, and just focus on the learning aspects of the game as opposed to the results. Yeah. Having all the girls was a little, <laughs> a little heavy handed by Dwayne there. <laughs> I don't know if he was like going blast in the past or something from, um, you know, his playing days. Uh, yeah. Think... Well, he is a coach known for his player development, so who knows what the method to that magic is. I mean, <laughs> you, know, you just got to trust him, I guess. If it's just like some weird, like, college recruiting style thing where I don't, I don't need to go down that road. Um, <laughs> <coughs> excuse me. But, uh, I mean, let's just bring it up, man. The, the biggest story of this past week was the Andre Drummond trade, and we're going to get into this at length. Um, he was traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers for Brandon Knight, former Piston. Um, John Henson, J-Max, boy from North Carolina, and um, a 2023 second-round pick, either Cleveland's or Golden State's, whichever is worse. And I put a lot of money that it's going to be um, – Golden State's going to have the worst – uh, of those two in the sense that it's going to be a lower pick. Um, no, some other notes from the trade deadline. They did not move Marquise Morris, Derek Rose, or Langston Galloway, who a lot of people were speculating. And I definitely assumed a couple of those guys to at least be moved. Um, and then also, one last tidbit, they did decline a trade offer from um, the Boston Celtics for Christian Wood. Um, so... You know, I mean, that's really the the trade deadline. You know, kind of summed up. Um, Joe, any? I mean, we're going to talk about all that actually. I guess any thoughts about them not moving Christian Wood? I uh, am happy that they didn't trade Christian Christian Wood because you saying he's a he's a good young player. We were looking to move Andre, so what's the point in moving? both of your young centers and I, I'm, I'm just not sure what his what christian wood's value is on the trade market it's it's his values in probably higher to us than it would be to anyone else so might as well just stay put with a, a young player like that yeah I, I completely agree um and uh but yeah let's talk the andre stuff first so uh, you know, just so I wanted to just mention him and, um, you know, some of his accolades and some of his rankings because he was, you know, with the Pistons for his entire career. Um, 
and he's put up some pretty gaudy numbers as we've seen on a night-to-night basis. Um, you know, some of his franchise records includes first in offensive boards, first in rebounds per game, second in total rebounds, third all-time in blocks, fifth all-time in steals, and I was surprised by this. He was 10th all-time in field goals. Um, some of his accomplishments, he's a two-time All-Star. Um, his team made the playoffs twice, uh, All-NBA third team 2015-16. He won the rebound title three years, and he's definitely going to win it this year. And he was an all-rookie team back when things were, well, not great back then, but they might have been looking up. I'm not necessarily sure. Everything's been kind of crazy. Um, but Joe, do you have any like positive words or reflections on him as a player? Any memories or anything that, that, you know, kind of come to mind when you think about Andre Drummond and his Piston career? Yeah, as a player and an ambassador to the city of Detroit, I, I do think that he embraced the city, um, and the community and was vocal about interacting with locals and, um, just trying to be a part of, um, the culture in Detroit, which was very cool. Um, for, from a player standpoint, uh, you know, he, you just listed off all of those accolades, which a ton of players um, can't claim to have even half of those. So um, he is the player that he is and brought a lot of um, great moments and fun games to Pistons fans. Um, wasn't as consistent as, as we were always like hoping for him to be. But at the end of the day, that's not necessarily his fault. You know, sometimes the fit just isn't perfect and you don't go to the right team at the right time. Like if he was to be, um, you know, on the Clippers uh, instead of DeAndre Jordan with, um, you know, three offensive players around him, that would be a better fit for a player like him. Instead, he was kind of thrust into this um scoring role and, and tried to figure out a low post game and um, had a musical chairs assortment of of coaches at the helm so um, you know I think it was just kind of a chaotic experience and, and for him to figure out his full personal identity on the floor um, it, it's taking a lo- him, him a long time to get to that point um, but uh, at the end of the day you can't really say anything bad necessarily about his his character um, he was um, a pretty fun-loving guy, Reggie Jackson. Uh, you know, only has good things to say about him. His teammates have good things to say about him. If he uh, seems to not have the best nonverbal behavior, uh, as mentioned before, a lot of times that was just because he cared too much and and uh, was frustrated with his play. So um, nothing really bad to say uh, about Andre. Just wish him the best in the future, um, and uh, you know we appreciated. Uh, what he did for the team, unfortunately, his legacy isn't going to be that glowing just due to the fact that they didn't really win any games and, uh, you know, didn't win any playoff games. So, um, you know, that's, I guess, in a nutshell, really my reflection on him. Um, anything positively that, um, you know, that you can take away or any memories or reflections that you personally have? Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there earlier when um... – you know, one thing that, that we did talk about, Andre, you know, we've nitpicked his game. You know, this is a team podcast, so that's what we're here to do is, you know, talk about players on the Detroit Pistons at, in depth. Um, and a lot of the areas that the Pistons have asked and fans have asked Andre Drummond to um, concentrate on or to shy away from, 
um, were things that he was, you know, kind of mostly doing, honestly, throughout the progression of his career. Um, obviously, the free throws being one of the biggest elements to that. Um, you know, he definitely improved those. He was able to stay on the quarter, or sorry, stay on the floor in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, the post-ups, while that was definitely something that was coming from a coaching strategy, you know, it definitely did go away. They did move Andre Drummond around the court quite a bit. You know, he was sort of the hub of the offense um, before they acquired Blake. You bring in Blake, you know, he has to kind of find his footing within, um, you know, playing against another superstar in the front court, um, playing with another superstar. And, um, you know, I, I do appreciate all those things that he was able to do on the court. You know, I think that, um, and, and, you know, when it comes to what you were saying about the, you know, the city, he definitely did seem to love Detroit. He mentioned it in his Twitter response where he was apparently blindsided by the Pistons with this trade. Um, and, uh, and he showed nothing. He said nothing but positive things about the city of Detroit and his love for Detroit. So, you know, I do appreciate that as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy, you know, after his, his long time here, um, with the Pistons, only one winning season, you know, last year they went 500, um, two all, no, sorry, two playoff appearances, both, you know, they were swept both times. Um, you know, I, I think that it's unfortunate that so many injuries have led to this team not being, uh, you know, what they should have been and could have been on the floor. Uh, this season being, you know, clearly the the biggest shining example of that. Um, but, you know, I, I, he wasn't one of those guys. You know, he was one of the guys that was always readily available. And that was definitely something that I appreciated as well. So, you know, I, I, I too have nothing but positive things to say about Andre Drummond. But, you know, I, I one thing that I was definitely upset for for him is that he has to go to Cleveland. Like, he's going to a possible rebuild situation, and who knows what that's going to, you know, sort of look like for him in the future when it comes to the next few years. Agreed. And I was kind of, I was excited at the prospect of him going to a playoff team, maybe the Clippers, and being the, you know, the fourth option and being really, like, able to settle into a role and, and possibly showcase, like, what he can do when he's completely focused on that. And... And, um, you know, audition for, for another contract. So it is sad to see him buried in Cleveland. Um, but what was your what was your initial reaction to the trade? Was it um, relief um, that we're finally moving forward from that era and, and uh, seeming to embark on a, a rebuild? Or was it sadness that he's gone? Or was it frustration that the return was a couple potato chips? Or, you know, what, what was it that you were feeling when you heard that news? You know, honestly, it was something that it was um, it was really confusing because it, it just felt like it was such a necessary thing to have happen for the Pistons to be able to move forward. Um, and as I just said over that rant, <laughs> that you know this wasn't all on Andre, obviously, um, but he was one of the only guys that you were able to move and, and to actually move his contract and not give away you know additional assets. Um, you know, that's not going to be the case for Blake Griffin, at least right now. Um, so, you know, it definitely made sense from like, a, okay, clearly Andre Drummond is not going to be a part of this future. And, and I think that is sort of a sigh of relief in the sense that 
it wasn't working with Andre here, and and hopefully he goes on to greener pastures, and Detroit's able to uh, make themselves somewhat of a respectable organization in, in the near future. Um, I mean, it was definitely upsetting. I, I did think back to the fact that you know all those rumors that we had heard a few years ago about Sam Van Gundy and his uh, that he had a trade lined up for Andre Drummond that was apparently nixed by Tom Gores. Um, that is something that was like a little frustrating just because like the return was so poor. It was clearly the case that they were selling on Andre Drummond at one of his lowest points, even though he had a pretty productive year. So that was frustrating. But um, all things considered, it's like, you know, it just felt necessary at the end of the day. Yeah, I about absolutely you? agree. I think, I, yeah, it, it, it's refreshing to finally turn that <clears> page. <throat> and instead of have that like Andre background theme next year, uh, focus on the younger guys and the, uh, you know, the, the new Pistons uh, cohort that we're going to be um, putting together together and, and hopefully developing a, a new culture. And it's, you know, it's, it's a coaching staff that like didn't draft a lot of these guys and they're starting to put their fingerprint on this squad. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing like what they can do. Um, and also, uh, yeah, I mean, you touched on it a little bit with like the frustration with not trading him earlier for a better return. Um, that has been a problem with Detroit sports teams over, you know, the course of the last five to 10 years in general, it seems to constantly happen with, uh, the Tigers just, uh, messing that up and the Red Red Wings screwing it up. And, you know, now the Pistons, and uh, it's just unfortunate to hear trade chatter like all the time and uh, hear like kind of fun, sexy trades that don't come through. And then at the end of the day, you get rid of a pretty good player for just for the sake of getting rid of them, um, not really focusing on any sort of return. So that that is uh, that is unfortunate, but um, it, it's nice to focus on the future of the Pistons without without Andre, I guess. Yeah, and I, and I think it's just a it's it, it's not necessarily 100% centered around Andre Drummond, but just more so in the sense of the entire league. It's a statement on the the state of the bigs in the NBA. You know, Andre Drummond's a two-time All-Star. He was an All-Star like a couple of seasons ago. Um, you know, he's a guy that's putting up damn near 18 points per game and nearly 15 rebounds or almost 16 rebounds. I don't have his numbers pulled up in front of me. Um her game and um but you know he's not he when you're not as just amazingly defensively uh as amazingly defensive of like a big as like a rudy gobert or you're not um you know uh obviously no one's nikola Jokic, but his inside outside game his offensive game is just outstanding joel Embiid is just like a force on offense you know better on the block than he is from three, but you know, those guys are just game changing when it comes to, you know, either their defensive or offensive abilities. Andre Drummond's kind of like a poor man's all of those guys. He's definitely the best rebounder of the bunch, but he's not, you know, he's just not good enough essentially to to be at the pay that he is at and at the pay that he might be expecting to be. So I think that that is a big reason why teams were cold about giving Detroit any type of 
really valuable assets or young players um, in, in this type of deal. So, you know, I think that that is, um, I mean, it's just like, it's, it just seems like a lot of teams have been able to fill their center positions adequately with a couple guys that are making like $7 million a year. And, you know, you don't want to give up all of your cap space or, you know, $28 million next season, which Detroit did not want to pay. And who knows what he's going to be targeting after that season um, for your center, you know, because that's just not the way, that's just not where the league is right now, unless you have a guy like a Jokic, an Embiid, an Anthony Davis, and, you know, even Gobert. I mean, I I would put him up there, but I, I don't, he's, I would definitely have all those three guys I just mentioned before Gobert, but it's just a, a testament to where everything's at right now. Yeah, and, and a testament to his one strength being rebounding, not being as valuable as all of those other strengths, like shooting or passing or uh, protecting the rim, all extremely um, important in order to spread the floor and um, be an anchor on defense. Whereas rebounding, like you can find ways to strategize team round rebounding and um you know now we're seeing point guards who get 10 or 11 rebounds a game um it's there's a quicker pace and so there's just more rebounds in general um so like what what total value does that bring and uh you know what kind of team do you need around a player like andre in order to highlight the um the rebounding as, as best as possible because at the end of the day rebounding doesn't put points on the board for your team and it doesn't necessarily takes off take points off the board for the other team so it's it's one of those weird statistics that can be um that can be uh overrated i guess in in a certain sense um and so uh yeah i guess uh, that, that that highlights the fact that like you know a seven foot center these days isn't just a big warm body to um, get rebounds and uh, pr- protects the rim like decently, as you mentioned. Um, and, and, Not and for earn that a ton much money. money. Exactly, and earn a ton of money. You you can pay a guy um, just like we can pay uh, Christian Wood, maybe eight to ten million dollars a year. Does need to improve his rebounding, but how much of a f- of of a drop off is Christian Wood for potentially eighteen less million dollars a year? Yeah, you can plug a lot of other holes. Um, and honestly, areas of, for Detroit that they just clearly have not had the caliber players that you need to be ultra competitive um, in the modern NBA when it comes to, you know, small forwards and uh, point guards. You know, they've been severely lacking in, in that category, at least consistently over the last few years. So it does seem like Detroit finally woke up to to the modern game essentially um in that sense so i mean it, it'll be interesting to see what they do that's definitely a scary part um but before we get into that i did just want to mention some like non-andre stuff do you have any other andre things that, that come to mind here joe that pretty much does it for me yeah i mean there's a, i feel like there's a lot more that i have inside of me about andre it's just that I feel like I've already rambled enough at this point that uh, I'm not going to find the most clearest thought. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But some of the non-Andre stuff, the stuff that was definitely um, confusing to me, I'm also not picking up phone calls, making phone calls. I'm not working for the league or for the Pistons for that matter. Um, But uh, I was definitely confused that they did not move Markeith Morris and at least – 
or Langston Galloway. I, mean, I think the Derrick Rose thing we've kind of talked at length about. It makes some sense that they didn't move him. Um, but Marquise Morris and Langston Galloway are not going to be on this team next year. I mean, I'm damn near positive Marquise Morris is going to decline that player option. And Langston Galloway is a free agent. Um, it just seems like those guys had played well enough this year to get you a low second round pick or something of that nature. And uh, I'm assuming that there were just no trades because it doesn't make sense for this team this season to hold on to those guys, just knowing that it truly doesn't matter um, if you have them or not because you're not trying to make the playoffs. In fact, you're probably better off if you lose as many games as possible. Well, I believe Stefanski was quoted saying that with a random second-round pick like in the 50s, you don't know who that player is, whereas... The player that you'd be trading, um, I think this is referencing Markeith Morris. Or, um, yeah, Markeith. Um, whereas you know who the guy is that you're trading. So basically, he's, he was saying that, like, you are getting rid of uh, value that you understand very well and getting, like, a massive question mark. Which was an interesting comment because it's true, but it's also like, well, you're going to likely lose that player who you know can perform for you um so yeah maybe the value doesn't necessarily match up but you're getting something for someone who you otherwise might not get anything for if they do walk away in free agency so it does make me question whether or not they would consider re-signing him if he does decline his player option that would kind of be an interesting transaction um but i guess there's a possibility there um i do uh, I, you know, I, I'm very surprised that they kept Markeith, Derek Rose, and Langston Galloway, all three of them. Um, I did figure they would keep one of them just because I know they value veteran presence and leadership. Um, D. Rose got hurt at not an ideal time, and he has that handshake agreement with the uh, front office and ownership that we've mentioned before regarding, um, you know, him agreeing to a trade or not. So that certainly played a factor. I'm sure. Um, but then, like, Langston Galloway as well. Like, wouldn't the Sixers be willing to throw throw us a second-round pick for Galloway? I mean... That's what I, I was I thinking guess, the entire time. Yeah. I guess not. Yeah, I, I, I guess not. I mean, th- th- that's... it. I mean, Langston Galloway, to me... I mean, when you mention, like, the veteran leadership type of stuff, he seems to be, like, the most professional piston. Um, just from what I've seen on social media and following this team over the last few years. Um... But with that being said, I don't know. The Marquise stuff still confuses me. Like, if they resigned him after this year, or, I mean, I guess he does have the option of picking up that that player option, but um, if they do resign him, I will certainly question what the hell this team's trying to do next year. Um, the Rose thing definitely makes sense to me. You know, you, you possibly could have traded him a bit earlier before the trade dead, deadline and got a, a much better package, but now you're kind of dealing with the given poll of Derrick Rose, you know, he might be injured. He might not be injured. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just kind of confused, but I mean, I, I don't really have anything else to say. I guess it, we'll see a little bit more come this off season, but I mean that I just 1000% agree that it just seemed like the Sixers, but the Sixers did make some moves. I mean, there were a lot of moves that happened this trade deadline. It might've just been a situation that Detroit didn't pull the trigger quick enough. And, you know, all these other teams ended up making, 
you know, moves and auxiliary moves. Like the Sixers did make a, a, a couple small moves, and at that point, maybe they were just done dealing, and, and then you kind of miss miss the boat. So um, I guess that's the that's another takeaway that could have happened, but I'm not sure. I mean, I guess we won't know at least for the near future. Yeah, there's also a rumor of uh, Tony Snell getting traded to the Houston Rockets at one point, um, which didn't happen. So, um, yeah, I guess there was some excitement that we had all of these potential trade chips for at least, like, second rounders and and to stack up some draft picks and create some excitement for uh, future, you know, drafts and players and things of that sort. So it kind of... (laughs) It, it did overall feel like a letdown to, at the end of the day, simply get rid of Andre, get some random second-round pick that might just, like, you know, never exist for some reason. Yeah, some drafting stash player. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, Brandon Knight and John Henson, just, like, that's what we ended up with. So it does feel anticlimactic. Um but I guess that's that's just what it is, man. Uh, there's not much you can do. And you again, you hear all these rumors like, oh, Tony Snell could get like a, a high second round pick. And it's like, sweet. Like, yeah, I would love that. Um, but that's just some crazy thing on a rumor mill. And we earlier heard maybe a first round pick for Andre Drummond. But that was just like a rumor mill thing. So like those, those um, speculations do go to your head and you start dreaming out these ideal scenarios that – don't happen and so you know i guess this is this is just what we're we're dealt with i, I remember what i wanted to say because i wanted to sort of counter what ed Stefanski was saying and if, especially if he was you know saying that in reference to markeith morris um you don't trade your players for picks because you want to keep all the picks and draft all the players like you trade them so you can have you know other trade pieces for the future right like these second round picks sometimes move hands four or five times before a player is selected for a team. So, you know, it, it just seems like something that when you're Detroit, especially with Detroit having traded away um, second-round picks in the past, I'm not necessarily sure what their full outlet looks like. They're a team that, that should be in the business of, of acquiring assets, at least for this just dead season that, that we're going to be witnessing over the next couple of months. So, I don't know. That's I a mean, really good point. But uh, anyways, you know, I guess we don't need to talk too much about second round picks that, that we're never going to be. <laughs> um, one thing that I did hear is that there could be some buyout candidates um, for, from the Pistons. Um, and the main one that, that stood out was Reggie Jackson. Um, he, he, I mean, you could possibly see Lacey Galloway being a, a buyout type of contender as well. So you can go let them play for, you know, a possible contender. Um, Joe, do you have any thoughts? Like, I mean, how would you feel if, let's say, if the Pistons bought out Reggie Jackson and he went to some other team for the playoffs? I would be okay with that. Um, I would be curious to know whether or not Reggie Jackson would want a buyout because he is currently auditioning for another contract. He's going to get the minutes, he's going to get the looks, and he's going to get the shots with the Pistons just because we have a lack of other options. So what are his prospects if he goes to another team and only gets 12 minutes off the bench a night to, um, to, to show what he has left in the tank? Part of me 
feels like he's going to take the 15 mil or whatever 18 mil that he's owed for this or that he would make in total this season and and try to show off you know where he's at after his recent injury and rehab so part of me feels like he might want to kind of stick around for that reason but um from a piston standpoint i wouldn't mind at all uh buying him out and then um i mean we would be really bad we'd be really bad but i guess who cares at this point yeah i mean you give jordan bone a little bit more of a look um even though he hasn't looked good at all from what i've seen him so far when he's played for the Pistons, not the it's kind, of, kind of a theme, kind of a theme on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, I would be happy for Reggie if he was able to go to a team and um, you know play for a, a playoff contender. You know, especially knowing that things have not been great with you know the way that fans have treated Reggie over the years, and you know I think he definitely wants um, a fresh start. But like you said, Joe, I mean I think that's what is a big reason why the Pistons were able to sign. Um, God damn it, dude. I'm just blanking. Um, shooter from last year that we signed from the Heat. Um, Wayne Ellington? Went to UNC. Yeah, Wayne Ellington. God Wayne Ellington? It. Sorry. Um, but no, he was, you know, he was it. He was bought out, and um, the Pistons were able to sign him, and he signed with the team where he was going to get the most run, um, and the team that was going to guarantee him the most run because he was looking forward to another contract. So it does make a lot of sense that Reggie would want to stay and you know be the starter for the foreseeable future, maybe until Derrick Rose gets back and you know try to get that next contract because he has looked pretty good for the most part, um, you know, since he has returned. So that that does make a lot of sense and you know good point there. Yeah, and I, I guess this does beg the question of what this all means for the team moving forward we still have a big contract uh locked up in in blake griffin um we still will have uh derrick rose next year uh luke Kennard. so we'll have some decent players it's not like um it's a complete break it down and then build it up um so, you know, are they going to plan on, on sucking and trying to get as good of a draft pick as possible? Or is there some room? And, man, this is a painful question to ask ourselves because I feel like we do it every year. Like, is there a room to be, like, you know, maybe a six or a seven seed next year while also developing young talent? David, do you have any thoughts on that, like a direction you would want them to go or, like, where you think that, they would like to go yeah i mean the pistons right now have roughly 35 million projected in cap space going into next year that they'll be able to play around with this off season um which honestly kind of terrifies me um you know it's we've just seen this team whenever they've had free dollars lots of times other than this past off season seem to really have wasted that money um especially when they have a lot of money so, you know, I, I'm not in the market. I don't necessarily want to see them throw the bag at Fred Van Bleet, for instance, and then just try to run this thing back with Blake Griffin, Derrick Rose, all the guys you just mentioned. Um, but also, I don't know how bad you can really suck if you have like a healthy Blake Griffin, Derrick Rose, and Kennard, and everyone's, you know, if they're playing well and they stay healthy next year, which is a big if. Um, I don't necessarily know how bad they're going to to be. It seems like they'll be like a you know 
like they have been the last few years, like a 9 to 12 seed type of team. Um, or 8 to 12 seed, I guess you can say. Um, I mean, one thing looking at the Eastern Conference this year, well, Brooklyn's definitely getting Kevin Durant back, so they're going to be a lot better than they are this year. But Orlando sucks. Like, it seems like a lot of these teams could, bad teams in the Eastern Conference, once again, will be able to compete for the 8th seed. I don't see the East getting that much better. Um, so I don't necessarily know what they're going to do, but I, I'm concerned. That's what I can say. It's like I'm concerned that they are going to, you know, just put all their eggs in uh, this basket again and, you know, just try to, like, build around the last two years of Blake when it's clear that they should be looking further into the future, not just, you know, the next couple of seasons. Yeah, and that's a very valid concern to have. Um, yeah, but, Blake, how do you not how do you not sort of build around him for the next two years in terms of he doesn't have a very tradable contract because he does have those injury issues. You know a guy at his age with his talent wants to win. And so how do you balance that? I mean, I'm, I'm not really too sure. I mean, Luke's going to be I, 24, 25 next year. So um, he's going to be in his prime. And then uh, Svi's shown that he's a very capable player. Snell wants to win, um, and, and, and Christian Wood will be coming off a nice, fresh contract. So, uh, you know, I think you definitely try to stay competitive. And as you mentioned, the, the East is just so trash at the bottom of it. So you're not necessarily lo- – you're not looking next year at, like, a top three overall pick if, if players are healthy. You're looking at if things go really poorly um, – you know, a lot like a late lottery pick, and if things go well, like a pick in the late teens if you make the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I think really like the main focus should be to if you are signing guys to, to contracts, like try to keep them to short contracts. Ideally, um, I would be really nervous to throw the bag at Fred Van Fleet. I think he's an awesome locker room culture sort of gritty player type of guy and a good influence for the younger players, but. Um, just our history of having money to to throw around, as you mentioned, and in overpaying guys, um, frightens me. So uh, I, you know, and I they're always think... fringe guys too, right? Like Charlie Villanueva, Ben Gordon. Obviously, the John Lord thing was just a disaster, but there's just like such a sore spot of Josh like, Smith. I mean Reggie Jackson too, right? You know, yeah, Josh Smith. Um, you know, there's just these guys where they're. They're not like not all stars. Yeah, they're not all stars. They're not all stars, and and you know you're, and then you you throw the bag at them, and then all of a sudden you just kind of just hit the reset button on on where this te- not the reset button like the refresh button in the sense of like oh yep same thing you know same web page I was looking at it's uh, the Pistons and they're you know a thirty six win team so I don't know I I don't I don't I mean one thing with that money I am happy about is that it does seem like the Pistons are. Concern, like focus on re-signing Christian Wood because um, he's young. You know, I, I wouldn't mind locking up Svee, you know, as well. Uh, you know, it's to it seems like you can keep some of the internal guys under some fair contracts. Um, and then maybe you move, are able to move them in the future for something that, that's really great. Um, but uh, I, I just and, and would also, be concerned. Sorry to cut you off, but also you oh, go can... Ahead can focus a priority on paying Luke, maybe. I mean, if he is what 
if he can consistently play like he he played for stretches this year, then he's worth a decent contract. And as opposed to overpaying a player from another team in free agency, just pay the guy that you have developed internally and uh, uh, give him a contract and maybe pay overpay him a little bit. But he's definitely looks like a sharpshooter who can put up an efficient 20 points a game for your team. So instead of dangling him on the trade market, because his skill set is ideal for any team trying to, um, you know, make a playoff push or make a championship push. Um, focus that money on, on uh, yeah, I mean, just funneling it back into the guys that we already have and then trying to build, um, you know, around them with, with better draft picks and, and a couple guys, you know, in free agency outside of that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're definitely going to have to do their research on his medicals. You know, he's missed a lot of games recently, but um, I was not in the camp for moving Luke Kennard. Um, but Joe, I guess if you were to guess, just you know, just for a final point, what do you think Detroit tries to do? You know, not necessarily what players are they trying to sign, um, but in sense of like their strategy for next year. Do you think they're just like? Let's go for it. Let's see what we can do. Or do you think this Andre Drummond thing was more um, just a, a signal that, hey, this is going to be part of the process of, you know, a five-year type of rebuild situation? I think it's going to be the former option. Um, and I think they're going to try I, to... I, I do too. I think they're going to try to win it. I'm and not if, that if, thrilled if, about it. <laughs> that's fair. But if, if we think back to... Uh, Dwayne Casey at Toronto. I remember the year before Andrew Wiggins came out of college at Kansas. I, I can't believe I referenced him twice in this podcast, but um, you know, there's like a tank for Wiggins motto, um, especially in Canada uh, with the Raptors being in, in Toronto um, because they didn't have a great team and people thought that they were going to, you know, be one of the worst teams in the league. Well, they didn't, tank they made a couple trades i think they made the playoffs that year and they sort of reloaded with that Dwayne casey team and he developed all this internal talent and um, although they didn't have uh like that phenomenal of uh, a roster that great of guys they never um just gave up in order to get a higher draft pick so i think the same mentality is going to be applied to this pistons team and there's going to be a focus on winning uh, and it could get really uh really messy um, I, yeah. I think uh, a lot of this probably depends, as it always does, on health. So, yeah, TBD. And, and one thing that was mentioned that I heard on like a podcast when they were talking about those Toronto Raptors teams was um, it hasn't worked out for Toronto for the you know for the most part when they've tried to acquire guys in, in free agency that that weren't from their team that weren't part of their development. Um, Damari Carroll, for instance, um, you know, they, they threw him a, a fat contract and um, it just didn't work out for them. Um, they were able to get out from under it and, you know, do the right things in, in order to build that championship team. But at the same time, they, they were they built their team um, through trades, through the draft, through development and hopefully Detroit by you know keeping Christian Wood by not trading away Luke Kennard is going to be able to go that route and hopefully Siku is able to you know have some fun out there and 
um, you know, just enjoy the, the, the States and enjoy playing basketball. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, I don't really have anything else. Yeah, that's pretty much it for me as well. All right, guys. Well, sorry. I, I knew this one was going to be a little rambly, but, you know, it's a big app. Um, so, uh, inside the cylinder, DetroitBadBoys.com, lineups.com slash podcast. This is David Fernandez and my co-host, Joey Matt. We out. Peace.